Recently, at a funeral, while I was giving a eulogy, one of the guests raised their hand and said, Rabbi, excuse me, what is the password for the Wi-Fi here in the cemetery? I said, please, respect the deceased. And the guest responded, is that uppercase or lowercase? The idea of Pirkei Avos ethics for all nations is about taking the high road, the uppercase, and asking ourselves, what does Torah tell us of how we should live our life and live a more ethical life day to day? In chapter 2, in Ethics of Our Fathers, Mishnah number 10, it says, Chamisha Salmidim Rabbi Yochanan and Zakai had five students. In truth, he had more than five students. But all of his students were divided into five different groups. One of them was by the name of Rabbi Shimin ben Isanil. And he spoke about their praises. He spoke about their talents and their greatness. And he said, what is the greatness of Rabbi Shimin ben Isanil? Says the Mishnah here, he is a Yirei Chet. He is one that fears sin. That is his greatness. Now, look at the Mishnah here. It does not say he was afraid of punishment, but rather he was afraid of sin. And we will soon explain what that means. He goes on in Mishnah number 10 to say, Amalehim, he told his five disciples, Su'u, he said, go out and see what is the proper way that one should follow, that one should live, and that one should cleave to. And again, he mentions the five students. And pertaining to Rabbi Shimon, it says, Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon says, Haroye es a good way to live your life and the path that one should choose is that to see the birth, to see the consequences of your actions. He does not say to understand the consequences, but rather he says to see. Furthermore, the word nolad does not really mean consequences. Literally, the word nolad means to see the birth. Now, what does that mean? These two ideas of, number one, being a yirei chet, one who fears sin, and number two, the path that one should cleave, and that is to see the birth, are really synonymous and mutually symbiotic. To first explain and expound upon the concept, what it means to be a yirei chet. If a person is one that fears sin, in contrast to one that fears punishment. If you fear punishment, then when you have a temptation, when you have a desire, for example, in the story of the Garden of Eden, Chava, the first woman, was tempted by the Nachash, by the snake, who is known today as the Yetzirah, the evil inclination that is found within the psyche and the soul and the heart of every human being. We have a godly soul 
and we have an animal soul. The godly soul desires godly things, and the animal soul is the snake that tries to tempt us to violate the path of ethics, to violate the Torah. And so God tells Adam and Eve, do not eat from this tree. Yet the nachash, the snake, comes along and shows her the beauty of this tree. And now she sees that the fruit is good to have pleasure. It is good to the eye. And so she desires that fruit. How do we overcome the desires of the snake? How do we overcome the desires of the evil inclination? How does one overcome the desires of the animal soul? They are all the same theme. One day it's a snake. One day it's the evil inclination. One day it's the animal soul. It's the same person. It's the same soul. It's the same angel wearing different hats. And the answer is, it's not good enough to be afraid of punishment. Because if we are afraid of punishment, then the psyche, the animal soul will tell us, look, do the sin now. Enjoy yourself. Have that pleasure. Indulge. Now, you're worried about punishment. You know, it's not a problem. Because pertaining to punishment, number one, who says that the police will catch you? Who says that anyone is going to see what you did? Who says that even if you do get caught, that your lawyer will not protect you and defend you and get you off and you won't have to sit in prison? So go ahead, do the sin, indulge, do the crime. It doesn't matter that one day perhaps you will be punished. Because right now it's about the pleasure. Right now it's about the temptation. Right now it's about the desire. Right now it's about fulfilling my needs and my pleasures. And therefore, Rabbi Shimon teaches us, don't be afraid of the punishment. Rather, be afraid of the sin. Because the meaning of sin, chet, means a diminishment. And that is, being that each one of us is created in the image of God. As Rabbi Shimon says, You have to see with your own eyes how God is creating the world every moment anew. How God is right now giving you life and vitality. And right now God is giving you sustenance. If God is giving me energy right now, this moment, how can I go and use that energy in a way that violates my purpose of being here on this world. Each one of us is here on this world to create and make the world more beautiful and to bring more light into the world. How can I violate my mission, my purpose? And so when you think about hate, to be afraid of the sin, means it's not about getting caught. It's about fulfilling my purpose. Why am I here? Am I fulfilling my, my potential? It's not about punishment or sitting in prison. And therefore, Rabbi Shimon teaches us, look at how God every moment is recreating the world, how God every moment is concerned about you, how God recreates you at this second. And because of this, you need to use out your potential to make the world a better place. <clears throat> the prophet tells us, 
that all the nations of the world, all the Noahides, were created not for the sake of chaos, not to bring chaos into the world, but rather to make a sane world, a world of peace, to inhabit the world in a beautiful way. And so this brings us to another topic, and that is pertaining the idea of crime and gun control. Now, I don't get political, and I don't take sides if you should have guns or not have guns. But the question is, how do we as a society diminish crime? And we look into the Torah, we look into the uppercase, we look into the knowledge of God to ask us, to ask ourselves, how do we bring a solution to crime? The answer is not putting more police on the streets. And the answer is not even gun control. But there's a deeper, deeper approach. And that is to give each human being a purpose. And to tell them that you are created in the image of God. And there's an eye that sees. And there's an ear that hears. And to be afraid not of getting caught. But to be afraid of the sin itself. Is it right or wrong? Is it morally okay or is it morally not okay? And by teaching our children, by teaching our disciples, by teaching our students in the schools, in the Jewish schools, in the Catholic schools, in the public schools, to teach our children that there is an eye that sees and an ear that hears. And you are here for a purpose to make the world a better place. That is the way we will diminish crime. Similarly, there's a question pertaining to the nations of the world. Do they have mourning rights? And do they have mourning responsibilities? In other words, if a person passes away, we know that in Jewish law, there is a concept of shiva, you sit for seven days, and then you mourn up to 30 days for a relative, and you mourn for a year after a parent. Do non-Jews, do the nations of the world, do Noahides also have these responsibilities and these laws? If you look into the Rambam, if you look into Moses Maimonides, he says the following, that anyone that does not sit and mourn the loss of a good person is cruel. On the other hand, if you mourn too long, more than 12 months, then you are foolish. The fact that the Rambam Maimonides uses these two terminologies, cruel and foolish, implies that this applies to all nations of the world. Because even though there are seven Noahide laws, and the reason God gave seven, because as the Medrash tells us, seven is beloved. And therefore the number seven is a beloved number. And therefore all the nations of the world are beloved by Almighty God. So these seven Noahide laws are primarily negative commandments. But laws that deal with logic, Laws that do deal with Lishevis Yitzara, as Isaiah tells us, that the purpose of creation is to settle the land, not to create chaos. Any law that violates this statement and creates chaos and is a violation of creating peace and harmony in the land is a prohibition. And therefore, not to mourn a parent, not to mourn a colleague, not to mourn a sibling is truly cruel. And on the contrary, 
the question comes to mind, if God is truly good, and God is truly kind, and one of the seven Noahide laws is not to bow down to idols, not to commit blasphemy, but rather to believe in God, who is the creator of the universe, a God who is just, a God who is kind, a God who is loving. How can God allow death to persevere? How can God allow death in the world? And therefore we need a logical explanation to be able to share with the nations of the world. And the answer is that, as the Talmud tells us, God does not withhold the reward of any creature. In other words, if an animal does an act of kindness, if your dog does an act of kindness, God repays that animal. How much more so? The choices of all creations. When God created the human being, and as we stated, that God created every human being in the image of God, surely God will not withhold the reward for that individual. And so one who dedicates their entire life to follow the seven Noahide laws, to increase in acts of goodness and kindness. Surely that person deserves tremendous amount of reward. And God wants to give that person reward. And sometimes the person passes away from this world and there's a short temporary loss in order to give that person paradise, to give that person a greater reward, a greater pleasure, a greater life and a greater eternity. And as we know, the Rambam tells us, Mamanis tells us, that when Mashiach will come, when the Messiah will come very, very soon, the Hasidei Umbay Sa'ilam, the pious of the nations of the world, those who follow the seven Noahide laws, and those that do acts of goodness and kindness, will also be resurrected from the dead. And therefore, even though death is a temporary loss, a God of kindness, and a God of blessing surely is providing for and giving this soul its true reward that it deserves. To move on from crime, mourning to a third topic, and that is the topic of abortion. Again, I don't get political. However, I would like to tell you the following story. A young girl, an orthodox girl, came by the Rebbe for a dollar. As you know, the Lubavitcher Rebbe, Sunday mornings would stand and give out dollars for hours and hours. People from all walks of life, from all over the world, would come to get a glimpse of the Rebbe's holy eyes. And you would have a second or two to walk by the Rebbe and get a dollar. And the Rebbe would give you a bracha. Now, this young girl, an Orthodox girl, being Orthodox means that in our communities... We don't have boyfriends. We don't touch someone of the opposite sex. And there's no intimacy before one gets married. However, this young girl had a temptation. And she had a boyfriend. And obviously something happened. And it seems that she became pregnant. Nobody knew. Her parents did not know. Her parents did not know. And she wanted to go by the Rebbe for some direction and inspiration. Should she keep the child? Should she not keep the child? Etc., etc. She walks by the Rebbe for dollars and she does not utter a word. But inside her heart, she's thinking, Rebbe, what should I do? The Rebbe gives her two dollars. This is for you, he says, and this is for the baby. 
She walks away, she begins to cry. How did the Rebbe know? How did the Rebbe know? Now we know how the Rebbe knew. The Rebbe was a tzaddik. The Rebbe was a prophet. He saw from one side of the world to the other. But it's more than how did the Rebbe know, but rather what did the Rebbe convey? What was the message he was telling the girl? The message he was telling the girl was, do not abort the child. Even though it happened out of wedlock, the child is still a good child. It's still a holy child. It's still a child that God wants to come onto this world. So therefore, make sure you deliver this child. Now, the statement that I've heard in the press, that women say that they have a right over their body. And similarly, a man can say the same thing. I have a right over my body too. This statement is nonsense. This statement is a violation of Torah law. Why? In truth, according to Torah law, money that we earn belongs to us. And therefore you have a right, according to Torah law, to flush the money down the incinerator. You can do that. You could throw it out the window. You could throw it into the garbage. It's your money. But when it comes to your body, you don't own your body. Your body is given to you as a loan by Almighty God. God gives every human being a body as a gift on loan to use the body so that the soul has a vessel where it can work and do its job to bring light and make the world a better place. When time is up, you give your body back to God. Now think about this for a moment. You go to your neighbor and you ask your neighbor, do me a favor, I need a car for a day. And your neighbor lends you his car. Because your neighbor lent you his car and you can use it for the day, it doesn't mean you have a right to go now and smash the car, break the car, and burn the car. It doesn't belong to you. It's not your car. It was given to you on loan. Your body does not belong to you. It is given to you on loan. And because of that, you have to respect the body. In Jewish law, there's a discussion whether or not a young girl is allowed to pierce her ears. Correct. There is a question in Jewish law whether or not a young girl is allowed to pierce her ears. Why? Because the body does not belong to you. And therefore you have no right to injure yourself. You have no right to maim yourself. The halacha is that a young girl could pierce her ears if she so desires. But it's a question. And before you do that, you have to ask a rabbi. You have to ask someone who's knowledgeable of Torah. What does Torah say? How do I live my life? So it's not, I have the right to do what I want with my body. You don't. You don't have a right to do what you want with your body. According to Jewish law, you cannot go and chop off a finger. You cannot chop off an arm. Furthermore, you cannot even curse yourself according to Jewish law. And you cannot incriminate yourself according to Jewish law. Well, it's my body. I can do what I want. No, that's the mistake. It is not your body. And just like you cannot cut off a limb, you cannot cut out a child from you. Now, in Jewish law, it's not black and white. There are times that an abortion is permissible. But you have to talk to your local rabbi. You have to talk to an expert in the field. Just like in law, there are experts when, when we deal with criminal law. You go to a criminal lawyer, and there are lawyers that deal with matrimony issues. You go to them. And the same is true with doctors. There are specialists that deal with heart surgery, and there are specialists that deal with teeth. 
If you have a heart problem, you don't go to a dentist. If you have a tooth problem, you don't go to a heart specialist. You have to go to that specialist. There are rabbis that deal with this field of abortion. And you need to talk to them if there is a problem. But to come along and make a statement that I have a right to do with my body is ludicrous. It's not your body. It belongs to God. And all of this comes back to the idea of haroye es hanoilid. You have to see with your own eyes how God gives birth to the world every moment. How God creates your body every moment. How God blows your soul into your body at every moment. And then you realize it's not me. It's Almighty God. And before I do major, major decisions in my life, I need to check. I need to ask. I need to talk to people who are more knowledgeable than I am. So this is the idea of Yirechit. Rabbi Shem Benesano says, you have to ask yourself, will this bring me to sever my relation with God? Which is hate, sin, means to make a diminishment with my connection with God. It's interesting to note that one can argue, let me sin now, and tomorrow I will repent. I will violate the sin, and I will have fun right now, I will have pleasure right now, and tomorrow I'll tell God I'm sorry. So to that approach, there are two answers. Number one. Number one is, the Talmud says, a person that says, I will sin today, but tomorrow I will repent, says the Talmud, that God does not allow you to repent. Tomorrow you're going to wake up and you're going to push it off. You're going to procrastinate. You're not going to want to do it. The Alter Rebbe in Tanya says that if a person is truly sincere, and stiff-necked, and persistent. You can do tshuva, you could repent, because nothing stands in the way of repentance. But it's going to be much more difficult. So to come along and say, today I will sin, but tomorrow I will repent, is a big mistake. Furthermore, in Kabbalah it's explained that when you sin, when you violate a Torah law, not only do you sin in this world, in that one world, in the world of action, but you sin in all the worlds, the worlds of emotion, the worlds of intellect, in all the worlds of Asiya and Yitzira and Bria and Atsilus, etc., etc. And therefore, when it comes to tshuva, when it comes to repentance, yes, today I could do repentance on this level in which I am at. But tomorrow, when I grow and I become more spiritual, I need to do again tshuva, again repentance. As King David says, the chatosi negdi summit, my sin is always before me. So you're always doing tshuva, you're always repenting. So why would you do the sin today and need to repent for the rest of your life when just forget about it? Realize that you have a bigger purpose. Realize you have a greater mission. So this, my dear friends, is the ethics for all nations. This is the message Rabbi Shimon is teaching us. That a person should see with his own eyes. It's not enough that you know intellectually. Because intellectually, today I can think one way. Tomorrow, someone can convince me another way. You have to see it so clear and believe that God is recreating the world every moment. And every good deed you get rewarded for. Every sin, there is a diminishment and a severing between you and Almighty God. We hope and pray that together, all the nations of the world will work to bring Mashiach, to bring peace and harmony, to bring salvation, to remove all darkness, sadness, sickness from the world.
to bring a world of salvation and blessing with the coming of Mashiach speedily in our days.